Well, good morning, and it's a pleasure to be up here and having an opportunity to share the word of the Lord. The, um, what I'm speaking on this morning is increasing confidence, so we'll just pray. Father, we ask that you take your word. Father, you said it's powerful and it's active, it brings life. We ask that you would help us allow it into our hearts to do the work that you want it to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, confidence is one of the greatest struggles people face is a lack of confidence. Confidence is a feeling or belief that you can do something well or succeed at something. Confidence is powerful and we all need it. It determines how we think, feel and behave. Our level of confidence will determine the challenges we are willing to face. Lack of confidence may cause us to draw back from attempting new challenges. Thankfully, God can help us grow in confidence. A good example of confidence is seen when God had promised the children of Israel the land. Ten spies, actually 12 went out, ten came back with a negative report, two came back with a positive. Uh, in Numbers 13, it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Contrast this with the other guys. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. Same situation, different response. Confidence was in different things. Caleb and his friend had confidence in God. The other guys could only see their own abilities and how big the giants were. They weren't putting God in in the equation. So God gave the children of Israel a fantastic promise, an opportunity to inherit the land, but they saw giants and obstacles and they lacked the confidence to go in and take the land. So they ended up that generation, except for Caleb and Joshua, wasn't it? Um, They saw themselves as grasshoppers, they died in the wilderness, and they never entered the abundance that God had for them. Now God's promised us abundant life in Christ, and that Jesus will always lead us in victory. But standing in our way will be obstacles and will be giants. And we need confidence to face those giants, to overcome them and enter into the abundant life that is ours in Christ. Lack of confidence can come from many, many sources. Some of these giants that we need to overcome that rob us of confidence Maybe fears that are within us, fear of failure, fear of man, just to name a few. Lack of confidence can also result from experiences of failure that have damaged our confidence and therefore we don't want to try again. Being misunderstood by people can destroy our confidence. Being told we're stupid, told we can't achieve, they all rob us. Painful experiences can rob us of confidence and make it difficult to trust people and even to trust God. I know in my own life, I've been a Christian about 20 years and I knew in my head that God loved me. I knew that he, and I read the scriptures for years, 20 years I've been reading the Bible and I know God loves me, but in my, I couldn't seem to get it in my heart. It was like a real barrier in my heart. It was in my head, but I couldn't, Believe it and let it come into my heart. And so one day I said to the Lord when in my prayer time, 
I want to love you, but it's just like I can't believe that you love me. You know, I know it, but I can't connect it. And he gave me, I had my eyes closed, and I had a picture, like a video. And in the video, I was a young girl of about four, and my dad was sitting in a chair. And I ran over to him to give him a hug and jump on his knee. And as soon as I got near him, he got up and walked away. And the picture kept showing, and I, I went up to him again. As soon as I got near him, he walked away. And my dad was a great dad, but he did not connect emotionally with us. He was that generation, I guess. And he just couldn't give us a hug. I don't ever remember him giving me a hug. And I was a child that needed that. And I felt like I couldn't connect with him. And God reminded me, well, I don't remember that, but he showed me that. And that was, would have been what happened because I didn't have an emotional connection with my dad. I struggled to have it with my heavenly father. And that's what I mean by damaged things that can actually prevent us from having confidence. My confidence in God wasn't there. And yet when I let him in, he healed it. And then I had an ability to believe God really does love me. So it's important not just to accept who you are, but keep letting Jesus in. I've been a Christian 20 years when he worked, in, worked this into my life. Let him keep working these things, things into your life. You don't know... Um, what damage could be there. And as we let him in each day, he wants to work on those things and set us free and help us and heal us and restore us into everyone, well, everything that we can each be in Christ. We mustn't let pain define who we are, but allow God's love to heal and restore us. Lack of confidence can paralyze our potential, immobilize us and rob us of the success that we are actually capable of. If you allow lack of confidence to determine your choices, it will cost you fruitfulness, fulfillment, and destiny. I always remember, um, Don knows, I was very shy, and as a child, incredibly shy. And when I was asked to do preaching, it was like, I can't do it, I don't want to do it. And I still get nervous after years of doing it. But I push past that. You push past those things. That The thing that God used to get me to get past that was a scripture in <clears throat> excuse me, Revelation which says that cowards can't inherit the kingdom of God. You know, you think that's mean that God would do that. That worked for me. It works for me. It worked. I thought, no way, I don't want to be a coward. I want to, get, I want to have more of the kingdom of God. So it actually provoked me to get not let all these things stop me from moving into what God, and God knows how to work with you. You'd think that was mean, but it works. Even in me, that was a quiet and shy. I'm a bit stubborn at times, you see. I think that's why I use scriptures like that <laughs> to get me. But stubbornness can be used in good ways, <laughs> channeled by God. <laughs> oh, what was that comment in the front? <laughs> 40 years, he must know what I'm like. It's not about what you can do, but it's about what God can do through you. What can the creator of this amazing universe do through you? Through a person who has yielded to him. He's got good works for each of us to fulfill, and he has promised that he will strengthen us to do them through Christ that is in us. The only thing that matters is that we know that we walk in what he's prepared for us. 
You can't do just anything and everything because Christ lives in you. You can only do the things that God prepared for you to walk in. Those are the things he will empower you and help you to do. If we know what God has called us to do, we can be confident he is with us. And if he is with us, who can be against us? We will be opposed, but that's a contrast. If he's for us, well, we're going to win, aren't we? We all have Goliaths in our lives, both around us and within us. Remember, we're not fighting flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And their aim is to intimidate us, to paralyze us, and stop us from doing what God has called us to do. How can we increase in our confidence? We can learn from Bible characters, get into the Word. There's so many examples in the Word. But today I'm just going to take a little bit of David and Goliath. Goliath and the Philistine army had come to the borders of Israel and are threatening to take the land off the Israelites and to make them slaves. Now, the enemy's tactics are no different in our own lives. He threatens to take what we have in Christ. And he's never going to give up while we're on this side of eternity. We always will be in that battle. The Israelite army was so fearful of Goliath that they became dismayed and terrified. They struggled with fears within that were insurmountable. And the reason was, was that they focused on Goliath and themselves. They didn't even bring God into the picture. And that's where we get our strength. That's where we get our confidence. David sees the situation totally differently. He comes up and he sees what's happening and he becomes angry. And he says, how dare the Philistines defy the armies of the living God? It wasn't about him. He saw it. Now, this is the people of God. How dare the enemy come in and try and take it? What is ours off us? And he asks why nobody's bothered to fight. When his brothers hear David's response, he actually accuses him of being conceited and arrogant. When you step out in God, opposition will come sometimes from the people who are closest to you. But Saul recognized the boldness in David that none of his finest warriors had. And as you know the story, David went on to slay Goliath. We can learn from David's life how to build confidence. David encouraged himself in the Lord. When he faced Goliath, the key was that he focused on God's ability to help him. And he recalled when he had been killed by, sorry, when he had killed bears and lions. He better not have been killed or the story would be wrong. <laughs> and this gave him confidence. So encourage yourself in the Lord. If you want to build your confidence, you encourage yourself in the Lord. Recall how God has come through for you in the past. Go over those things. Remember them. Talk about them. Speak about them. Remind yourself. Because any trial you're facing, what you focus on will become bigger. If you focus on the problem, it'll become bigger. If you focus on yourself and your ability that will become bigger, or your inadequacies, they'll become bigger in your eyes. Focus on God, and he becomes bigger. Get him in perspective, and the, and the whole thing will take the rightest perspective when your eyes are on God. 
I remember uh, on Bible in school, I teach the children. When I teach David and Goliath, I say, God loves people. He just hates the evil things we do. So in the story of David and Goliath, who's on Goliath's side? And the kids say, oh, it won't be God because he's doing evil. He's trying to take over their land and make them slaves. Okay, so God will be on David's side. Same with us. We're on the winning side, walking with the Lord. When we're walking in what he wants us to do, we are on the winning side. And when we believe God is with us, we can become bold as a lion. You see, it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit within us. I love this verse. And quietness and confidence shall be our strength. Confidence, not in ourselves, but in God's spirit within us to teach us, to lead us, to guide us, to comfort us, to encourage us, all the things that the Holy Spirit does. He's inside us. And when you quieten yourself and remember, Lord, your Holy Spirit's in there to help me. I'm not doing this on my own. A strength and a confidence comes and rises up within you. Be inspired by the example of ordinary people in the Bible who did extraordinary things. Teach these stories to your children. As you do, it will increase confidence in their lives because their faith in God will grow. Are you being tempted to be compromised in your situation? Go back to the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and how they... um, were actually thrown in the fiery furnace. But when I, I remember teaching this in children's church a few years back, quite a few years back, and we were acting it out in the children's church room. I don't know if any of you are here that were in that lesson. And we had one boy up high, and he was the great big um, golden statue. And the other boys were the trumpeters, and three boys were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And all the girls were meant to be the crowd that bowed down where the trumpets blew. So away we go, we're acting it all out, and the boys blow the trumpets, and the girls stood there like this. (laughs) And I said to them, come on, come on, you're meant to be bowing down. And they looked at me, and they folded their arms, and they said, we won't give up our ticket to heaven. (laughs) And it did my heart so much good, I thought, they've got it, they've got it. They had got it. Encourage our youth and children. It's so hard out there, much harder than, I'm talking to the older ones here, um, parents and um, adults. It's so much harder than it was in our day. So much harder. And our youth and children need encouragement. They need to be built up by us to build their confidence. Change the atmosphere in their lives by speaking life over them encouraging them. You see, we can rob people of confidence. You think, oh, I don't rob people of confidence. People in our own household, workplace, we can rob them by saying nothing. Let our words encourage and build people up around us. The enemy is doing a great job at pulling them down, so we don't want to be part of his Um, workforce. 
The other way we grow in confidence is to believe the promises of God. And David knew that God would be on his side. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and nothing can separate us from him. He is always there for us, 24-7. Begin to speak and declare. Believe first, then declare these scriptures over your life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not how I feel. Like, I'm nervous coming up here. But I tell myself, I can do this. Lord, you're with me. Yeah. That's where I get my strength. That's where I get my confidence. Our flesh will still be crying out, please don't do that. But you don't listen to your flesh. You do what God's calling you to do. And you can say, Scripture, I'm more than a conqueror. You build yourself up. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. And we can confidently say, the Lord is our helper. I will not fear. We grow also in confidence by being equipped for the battle. We are in a spiritual battle. The two kingdoms... In a military warfare, every party always attempts to steal the confidence of the other party. Good example is the America's Cup and the Lions and the All Blacks. That's what they're all doing in the media, trying to pull each other's confidence down. The enemy's trying to do to, that to you all the time. Confidence is a weapon of war, and we need it to fulfill our destiny. With the shield of faith, we can quench the fiery darts of the enemy and they're going to come. They're going to try and get you to discourage and to give up on Christ. Keep your shield up. That's faith. Faith. With the helmet of salvation, we protect our mind. When condemning thoughts come from the enemy that say, you're never good enough, you're a failure, you can't do it, you reject them. The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee. Submit to God, so believe what God says. Submit and then resist the enemy with God's word. So you align your thoughts and beliefs with God's word. When he does it to me and reminds me of past failures and tells me I can't do it, I encourage myself by saying, well, keeping the law can't save me. And I say, only Jesus can save me. Lord, you are able to save me. You are my righteousness. So you take the focus off my ability and my righteousness, which is his filthy rags, and I put my confidence in him. The devil works overtime to rob you of your confidence. And when he assails our confidence, we need to resist, as I said, and the devil, and he'll flee. David used armor that he'd proven in past battles rather than King Saul's armor. His confidence was in God working through him using the giftings that he had developed in his life. We mustn't put our confidence in somebody else's armor. Use what is tried and proven in your own walk with the Lord. The enemy knows if you don't really mean it, what you're saying. Our authority comes from knowing Christ. And Exit tells us there were men that just used Christ's names to cast out demons. And the demons overtook those men. Because the demons said, well, we know Paul, we know Christ, but we don't know you. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus. That's where your strength will come from. Not from just saying a name or chanting a, um, something like that. You have to know him. You have to 
And that comes just through believing and letting him work in your life each day. Letting him prove himself that he is real as you believe his word. In Hebrews 10, verse 35 and 36, it says, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. The practical thing for David was that he prepared. I bet he spent days, days and days out in the, when he was with a shepherd, sheep, out there as a shepherd, practicing his sling. There's no way he just waited till a lion came and thought, okay, I better get my sling out and try it. No, he did it every day probably. And it's the same with us. We need to have our walk with the Lord alive and vibrant and active every day. So that when the enemy does come, we're ready. We've got, we, we, we know Jesus and his name is real to us. And we have authority because we're walking in the light with him. Prayer builds confidence. I'm sure David prayed before he faced Goliath. He'd never faced a giant before. He would have prayed. In Hebrews 4 verse 16, it said, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Call out to God. Believe that he hears you. He's a rewarder of those that seek him. And pray with confidence. And he will hear you and he will help you. Confidence also grows as we surrender our life to Jesus. Excuse me. An example, I love this example, in 2 Kings 7. It's about four lepers who lived outside the city wall. And the Israelite city was encamped about by an enemy. And they were dying through lack of food. So there was a famine. They were all contained in there and dying. And the lepers lived outside the camp because they weren't allowed in the city. And they're going to die there because they've got no food. And so they start talking to each other, amongst each other, and they said, well, why will we stay here till we die? And then the other one said, well, if we go into the city, the famine's there and we'll die there. If we stay out here, we'll die. Well, we're going to die anyway. Let's go to the enemy's camp. And they did, and they started walking towards the enemy's camp. And what they did, what happened when they started walking to the enemy's camp was that God caused the enemy to hear the sound of a mighty army coming. And they fled and left everything and ran back to their country. Now, the reason I tell that is, firstly, that their boldness came because their life to them meant nothing. It was, they were going to die anyway. They weren't trying to hold on to their life. Jesus says, lose your life and you actually find it. So that's where their boldness came. And these guys, and in prayer times, I've heard God, especially this last year, saying that as we walk in what he has called us to do, no matter how scared we are or what's ahead, if he's asked us to do it, as we walk in it, when we step in obedience, he's going to cause our footsteps the enemy to think it's a mighty army and the enemy to flee. Now, the enemy is there and he's trying to stop you doing it. Like they were totally contained. But they thought, oh, well, we're going to die anyway. So let's walk into it, into there. 
and God breaks through. And I believe God's saying to us, as you walk in obedience to what I'm calling you to do, no matter how frightened you are, I will ambush the enemy. But it's only as you walk into it that he sends ambushments against the enemy. These guys' boldness came from the fact they had nothing to lose. When we surrender our lives to Christ, we have nothing to lose. Because the scripture says, and I speak it to myself often, when my flesh would say, I don't want to do this, I say, you are crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It builds up my confidence. That is the truth. I've chosen to crucify my life with Christ, to live the life he wants me to live, not my own life, the way I want to. So it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love this verse in Philippians 3, verse 8 to 11. It's Paul writing this. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Who wouldn't want to live eternity with Christ? Confidence comes when we've given our lives to him and we've got nothing to lose anyway. We know that if we stay close to him, connected to him, we have an eternity in heaven. We have an eternity in God's presence, not an eternity cut off from God with no peace. If the ushers would like to, we're going to actually have communion now. The ushers will be distributing the emblems. If you could hold them and just wait and we'll partake together in a minute. Oh, thank you. Cool. There's a scripture in Psalm 24, verse 7 and 8 that the psalmist David writes, Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. When I read that, I think of my own heart and my own life as the gates and the ancient doors. And it's like Jesus saying to me, open them up, let me in, let me in. You see, he can't do it, only we can open the door of our hearts. The handle is on the inside, it's our job to open it. And he's asking us to open our hearts that the king of glory might come in. 
And like he did with me as I asked him to heal, give me that ability to um, believe he loved me, he comes in and he says there, I'm strong, I'm mighty. I'm mighty in battle to set you free. I'm the one that wants to come into your heart and into your life and set you free from everything that is robbing you of abundant life. And this morning as you're holding those emblems, I just want to encourage you to take some time to open your heart to him this morning. And as you open your heart, allow him to be Lord of your heart. Surrender your life afresh to him. And as you're doing that, allow him to show you if there's anything in your heart that needs to be confessed to him. He promises if you confess it to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. Examine your heart. A communion is always a time where the Lord says, examine your heart. Let him in. He's not coming to condemn you. He's coming to save you. Do you need to forgive others? Let him show you if there's someone you need to work on forgiving. As you allow Jesus into your heart, he comes, he says, to heal broken hearts and to set captives free. And he alone knows what is robbing you. Damaged areas, fears. Allow him into your heart afresh. He wants to restore and heal and set you free from any areas where the enemy is robbing you of abundant life. And it's not something we just do today, but it's something I encourage you to do every day in your quiet time, in your time with the Lord, that you just be your heart to him, open your heart, let him in. You never know what he wants to show you and what he wants to do. We must be a people who have a relationship that's alive, real, genuine and living every day with the Lord. Father, we ask that you would help us to open our hearts to Jesus as we take communion this morning, but also every day of our lives, Father. Help us take the time to let him in. He's mighty to save us. Mighty in battle. He's the one that always leads us in triumphant procession.
always leads us into victory. I just encourage you now to take your own time in taking the bread which resembles Jesus' body broken for us and the grape juice which resembles his blood which has the power to cleanse us from every sin. These are symbols, but as you take Jesus afresh this morning, allow him to do that work as you take these emblems in your own time. Lord, we do thank you that you are able to save us. You are able to present us faultless before the Father. We are so, so safe in your hands, Lord. Victory is ours with you, Lord. Amen. Amen.